Alrighty, what's cracking, everybody? Happy freaking Sunday, 21, 4.41 p.m. Out here on the balcony. Uh, hear some weird, like, radiating sound. It's this uh, little radiator I got back here for the uh, air conditioning. But I'm not no uh, air conditioning expert or anything, so, you know, I'm not going to explain the science behind that. I really don't know what I'm talking about in regards, in regards to that. But I'm out here in Champaign, obviously. Um, you know, this week I'm going to be transitioning back to uh, Park Ridge, Illinois, back to my hometown. Uh, I'll be there for a week. Then I'm hitting the desert, going out to Palm Springs uh, and also La Jolla uh, with my friends. And so I don't know if I'll be doing a lot of uh, podcasts out then, out there. But, you know, interesting. Last time I was out in California, uh, we were having some serious problems in the uh, credit markets and the stock markets. When I was out there uh, last time, I was not paying attention to the stock market too much. But, you know, you, it's hard not to pay attention to the stock market when you're seeing 8% drawdowns. Uh, on the day and so you know one thing i like to say and i joke with my bud colin i go stock market's gonna crash next time i'm out there and uh you know and i say crash you know i don't mean like freaking 1929 but you could have one of those events you know you never know when that's going to take place but the reason why i want to make this podcast is you know over the past week um well (laughs) excuse me i just had a nice pizza I've been talking about uh, the collateral problem we have. And so this weekend, I took a lot of time besides grinding for my instrument exam, uh, instrument uh, checkride, which is going to be tomorrow. So um, I've been grinding for that. On my free time, I've been studying the markets up. And, you know, I actually made a – instead of putting it on my computer, because when I put stuff on my computer, you know, it gets me jacked up. But what I wanted to do was, you know, lay out timelines, give you some actual numbers. So instead of my computer, I have a notepad. And so I basically gave a timeline of this, you know, issue we got going on right now. And I'm going to give you, you know, references of what's going on in the treasury market and, you know, how, how I see the markets uh, playing out per se. And you, uh, you guys know my positioning already. My positioning is I'm short everything except gold miners, long Bitcoin, and... Um, physical silver obviously but i'm short everything else and because we are in the biggest bubble of all time whether you want to tell me we are whether you want to tell me we aren't you know you go on cnbc everyone's bye 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 you want to go on bloomberg bye 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 don't be worried because everyone always has to be buying you know the, the whole capitalist society and i'm a, a big proponent of free market capitalism so you know i'm not hating it. people go oh the capitalists no bro no capitalism is the best system in the world and it's what's made America uh, the best country in the world, the most powerful country in the world. But I want to talk about how our financial system is very screwed up. And it boils down to a repo problem. Uh, and, and the repo is, you know, it plugs up is the plumbing for our financial system. And, you know, people are saying I'm really long the banks. And I, I, I just think getting along banks is comical. And I've had this stance since March. And, you know, it, it, it's worked out. Shorting the bank since March, I mean, I think I'm down a bit, but I'm I'm still chilling. I'm still here, and I just want to lay out why why I've see, why I see these issues, why we have a fundamental collateral problem. And you go, geez, Max, if you have a collateral problem, that must be deflationary. Yeah, deflationary for your asset prices. But when it comes to consumer prices, you know how I feel about that. Inflation is alive and well, and to get to go on top of that, we have major supply bottlenecks. Whether it's cars, whether it's um, 
chips, whether it's, uh, let's see here, there's so many different food, food shortages. I mean, look at the droughts out in California, the Midwest. I mean, look at Brazil and their their own water issues and their and Brazil's problems. I mean, the cost of the uh, price of coffee has gone up twenty percent in the past five days. Okay, um, and you know if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I mean, I, I call it Jo the Beast. I don't call it Jo the Beast for nothing. I mean, this is not financial advice, and I'm not a financial advisor, and I'm not recommending anyone buy or sell any securities. Uh, based off of my what I say on this podcast or anything, but I mean, I was saying Joe Coffee's a screaming buy back in March. It, you know, it was thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven. Now it's at fifty three seventy seven on Jo the tick. So what I really want to do is lay out like a little timeline, and this is like this is work I've compiled from myself, my own research. My friend, uh, well, not my friend, but he's my virtual friend, even though he doesn't know who the heck I am, Jeff Snyder. Guy's a freaking genius and mogul, and well, not really. I don't. I don't know about Mo, but he, he's, he's, he's in uh, someone to look up to, in in commentary about the euro dollar system, um, which is just so complex, and he breaks it down for people. So I suggest everyone go listen to his podcast. Uh, it's making sense with Jeff and Camille, and then also you know the Bond King himself, Stephen Van Meter, one of the people who inspired me to start my own podcast. I mean, people who really inspired me to start my own podcast, Ethan uh, Lewis and Matt Hergeth, you know. One time I was just ranting. I talked to them for like two hours in like November about the markets. They go, Max, you need to make a podcast. And I didn't get the balls to do it until I think it was end of February. But that, that's, my, that's my story. I like to talk. And uh, we'll, get into the, we'll get into what I have here. But what I want to say is, you know, everyone's so bullish. Everyone's always bullish. Buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. But I don't see the reasons why. We, yeah, you could have short-term gains. But the short-term losses that we are going to see are just going to be, I mean, the long-term losses, you know, next two to three, well, I guess that's not really long-term. The long-term, pro- the, like in the intermediate term, I should say, problems that the economy has are just uh, absolute bonkers. So let's let's break this down. I, I made my own timeline, and I've compiled this over listening to a bunch of podcasts and stuff. And then I want to bring, bring out some numbers here for you. Um, whether and compare this to you know other as as Jeff Snyder likes to say collateral issues collateral days, um, and why it's a it's a huge threat to the equity market. I see it, the way I see it, and you know we could keep reverse repoing trillions, but it gets to a point where you where people where it hits the new markets and people go, this is fundamentally wrong. And you know there's two there's two there's two sides of thinking. So there's the efficient market hypothesis, and there's the markets are not efficient. And I, I do not think markets are efficient. Um, let's say the markets are efficient is market prices in real-time data. So if we got, like, COVID lockdowns today, market would price that in and probably sell off. And and then that's why you would see a sell-off. And that's why during COVID, people go, uh, uh that shows the markets are efficient. Well, you know, you could argue mortgage bonds in 06, bus- subprime mortgages busting in 06, 07, market didn't really take a hit to low eight okay when the financial financials all the people who are issuing these debt instruments really got boned um for lack of a better term and basically that's why i say markets are not efficient because they don't if they if you priced in you know these mortgage issues in 06 07 then the market would have collapsed back then but it took a year for it to happen so 
Um, you know, back in back in uh, March, I was telling everyone go long treasuries, long gold. Well, the long treasuries worked out quite well. Long gold, eh? I mean, it's, it's you you you, you want to because the gold miners, in my opinion, the silver miners, and I was saying long go long gold as in go long gold miners, go long silver miners, and also go long the physical commodity itself. You don't want to go long. Uh, you don't want to go long. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't like ETFs. You want to pick your companies, and these companies are like the best, co- the most valuable companies in the marketplace that I see right now. They're not your high flying tech stocks. I mean, these things have actual value. So I'm gonna break break down the twenty. So it all starts from the 2019 repo, and, we, and you know I could have made a timeline going back to 08, but I really just want to break down, you know, banks, balance sheets, assets. And liabilities. So assets are the collateral, right? T bonds, T bills, mortgage backed securities, liabilities. Okay. So you got to you got to have that. You have to have that fundamental understanding. All right. So 2019 repo, we got a repo spike, right? And there's not enough cash in the system, and you go, well, why is this happening? Well, because of quantitative tightening. And so what happens during quantitative tightening? Well, the Fed in 2016 started tightening, and I mean, tightening. Uh, the rates started going up. And that's not really it. They actually started selling some of these securities, as in treasury bonds and bills that they bought, to you know do QE starting from 08, right? And so because of quantitative tightening, the banks didn't have enough cash. And what I mean by this is when you you know you, the, so basically quantitative tightening is the bank is the the Federal Reserve, the big the biggest bank, you know the granddaddy of them all, is putting all uh, selling securities, assets on the bank's balance sheet for cash liabilities your liabilities your cash that you have and so what this does is it drains the system of cash but it puts a lot of treasuries on the bank's balance sheet and so what this lead to in 2019 there was not enough cash to go around and the overnight repo went from about two percent to ten percent okay and so during covid you know covid hits and you know i'm gonna get into you know what really went down uh in the treasury market in a bit here Basically, COVID hits, and the Fed goes, okay, we're going to start doing QE again. So they start buying all these treasuries the banks have on their balance sheet from the quantitative tightening in exchange for cash. Um, and the reason why they wanted to have all this cash is uh, on the bank's balance sheet is so they could you know, issue out loans, you know, PPP, payroll protection, stimmies, all this stuff, all right? And so the Fed said the S- supplementary leverage ratio is exempt, basically meaning, you know, there's, they're not going to restrict collateral uh, for liabilities. And so banks, you know, to balance the balance sheet, you got to have asset li- liabilities, blah, 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 blah. All right. Basically, they said it doesn't matter how many liabilities you have. You don't need to have the collateral to back it up. All right. So then what happens uh, March of 2021? Fed actually says, screw that. You know, SLR is not exempt anymore. You have to have the amount of uh, asset. You have to have collateral to back up. The liabilities you own, uh, you know, balance the sheets, balance sheets out, right? And so the banks are like, no, 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 don't do this. It's going to cause a massive issue. And you know, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, all the big, all the big boys. You know how I feel about them. Is Max Kaiser says financial terrorists. Agree to a, agree to a, agree with that quote 100. percent But you know, basically, what happened the day the day of. March 31st, 2021. I mean, I, I can tell you right here what happened now. Uh, you know, 
30-year treasury at 2.41. Now they're at 1.92. And, you know, the one-month bills actually have gone up. And so you go, okay, Max, so, like, how is this a problem? Well, yields going down means the banks are actually buying more treasuries, buying more collateral, correct? Correct. Um, and so, basically, um, this this whole supplementary leverage ratio exemption, well, the banks are going to go buy treasury bonds 100%, but you can't compensate for all those liabilities you have on your balance sheet now because what's the, what has the government done? They've issued stimmy checks, and you know they've put all this money into the economy, giving money to the people, and where does that go? To the banks, and that's a liability of them. So they have all this cash, but they, don't, they still, even though they're buying treasuries and buying bonds, and yeah, treasuries, bonds, same thing, you know, like they don't have enough to compensate for the amount of liabilities, i.e. bank reserves that they have in their balance sheets. So they have this little operation you can do with the Fed called a reverse repo, which I've talked about extensively on the podcast here and other people have as well. George Gammon has a great video breaking it down with a bunch of visuals on YouTube. I suggest you guys go watch that. And basically... The reverse repo is a way to put a floor on interest rates because no one wants money market rates going negative because if money market rates go negative, it's pretty much like you're going to be penalized to have your money in the bank. Um, So the reverse repo is you give the Fed cash and they give you treasuries. And up until I think it was June 17th, the Fed hiked the reverse repo rate overnight. So basically they're saying – I'll get get to that in a second. So basically the the banks don't have enough treasuries, i.e. collateral – so they're going to the Fed, and the Fed has all their treasuries that they've been buying up through QE, okay? And so this is why you've seen an explosion of reverse repo. And even at, and so the bank hikes the Fed, I should say the Fed, uh, hikes reverse repo on Mar- I think June 17th, okay, to five basis points. Meaning if you give us your cash, we'll give you 505 uh, percent on that cash in exchange for a treasury like however much treasuries you want uh based on the amount you put in the reverse repo operation and so this is why you've seen it you know the reverse repo go even higher after the fed hiked this you know because they're trying to get out these collect get out all this collateral to the banks to prevent a financial implosion and you go okay but you know to, to bring this back to to bring this to a start it let's go back to 2020 okay I do have the 2020 chart pulled up. I do not. I'm going to get that up for you guys right now. Uh, here we go, 2020. So when do when do yields stabilize in 2020? They stabilize. I have this. All right, perfect. On the 18th. And what happened on the 18th? Well, the TGA was increased, meaning we borrowed a lot of money from other countries. And... Basically, so the TGA, if you pull up the TGA, you see in March, it just skyrockets from like 4.28 bill to about, let's see where we're at, 1.75 trill by August, okay? And this caused, you know, markets to stabilize and everyone began uh, regain confidence. And, you know, that was a move by Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary under Trump. And, you know, it's not a political thing. I don't know why I said under Trump. I'm just saying this is what Steve Mnuchin did. And Janet Yellen, when she came into office, uh, got her term, she said, what we're going to do is start drawing down the Treasury General account to back to, you know, its normal amount of 400 bill about. 
And by doing this, she's putting money in the pockets of Americans by not issuing debt, by just drawing down the TGA. And this means we're not issuing uh, as much debt. We're just drawing down the Treasury General. And what that's actually done is made collateral a lot more scarce, okay? So I just wanted to issue that. We'll get into, you know, how 2020, there's a huge rush for collateral, and I'll show you that. In a second here, I just want to you know give us some you know a little time frame action, and so basically we haven't increased this TGA at all since then. Hence, this scarcity, this rush for collateral uh, through the reverse repo facility. And so what I'm going to talk about is you know 2020 and what what really happened there. So let's look at the data. Um, uh, we have. The Treasury bills on the 14th of February of 2020, they're at 1.60, and a 30-year Treasury bond is at 2.04. So Treasury bonds, long-term debt, short-term bill is you know the most pristine, risk-free bet you can possibly have, risk-free asset I should say, and so that the bills go from 1.60 to 0.79. Um, in 2020, on the, you know the rush for COVID, we want to have this pristine collateral. Uh, from 1.60 to 0.79, so that's a significant decrease. But the 30-year bonds go from 2.04 to 0.99. You know, everyone's has still still has faith in the financial system, right? But by the uh, 18th of March, and you know, you saw the most exacerbated selling in the marketplace go from the happened from you know the eight the 9th of March to the 18th, and bills went from 0.79. The point oh four. Okay, that's a massive, massive decrease. Almost a hundred percent. Not quite, but a, almost a hundred percent. But what did long-term treasuries do during that time? They went from point nine nine to point seven eight. And so, what I'm trying to say here is, instead of instead of what's it called, you know, buying more long-term treasuries, they're going to go screw that. We don't want to. We don't want to own a long-term treasury. We don't need this. That's not important for us right now. What we want to own is we want to own bills. The most safe possible asset we can own and so because of that you see selling of treasuries and so if someone sells a bond what does the interest rate do their interest rate goes up interest rate yields same thing so we go from 0.99 to 0.178 almost a 100 basis point increase it's, uh, yeah i shouldn't say 100 point it was basically an 80 basis point increase while the short-term bills fell almost 80 basis points so you can see people are selling long-term bonds and buying short-term bills Hence, a rush for collateral in the system. You get the Treasury general account increase on the 18th, and bill rates go up. Okay, people actually start selling it. Not, not, not quite, not intense selling. But you can see, because uh, you check a month later on 4-20-2020, bill rates go from 0.04 in March to 0.10, and you see a 30-year bond settle down instead of being at 1.78 it's at 1.27 so the yield came down from 1.78 to 1.27 almost a 50 basis point decrease so you're going out and buying those bonds and so you go max all right what, what are you trying to show here well i'm trying to show that the treasury general is increased meaning we're borrowing money and so people have faith in the system again so we're going to start buying long-term treasuries and you don't need all this collateral because we increased Treasury General, okay? Fast forward to 2021, and everyone goes, this massive increase in the, in the uh, 30-year bonds is because of inflation. 
and I think that's a very good observation. You know, we, we know the CPIs hence exploded um, this year due to money printing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and also also a recovery, you know, some growth. And so you want to see prices stabilize because they, they, they capitulated in 2020. So starting off at the beginning of the year of 2021, the long-term treasury bond is, uh, long-term 30-year treasury bond is at 1.66. And right before the century, uh, supplementary leverage ratio comes back, the SLR, meaning you got to balance out uh, the amount of liabilities, bank reserves, your money that's in the bank, with the amount of assets you own and you know assets are getting drained from the system because uh because the fed is using this to control interest rates through omo um and qe so they're buying the bank's bonds in exchange for cash okay and so you go okay max what happened what happened well the long-term bond goes from the yield goes from 1.66 to 2.41 Meaning people are selling, selling treasuries. And I talked about this in my first podcast. I'm like, and I didn't understand this at the time. I was like, okay, why are bills going down? Because this is what happened. Bills went from 0.09 to 0.02, a 77% decrease in, in the yield on short-term bills. But the long-term rates are going up. I go, that doesn't make sense. They should be moving together. What the heck is going on? You know, 45% increase from 1.66 to 2.41, while short-term rates, short-term bills, the pristine asset is going from 0.09 to 0.02. What the heck's going on? And, you know, at the time, I should have thought logically, that's a firecracker or some shit. Um, that was the sound you just heard. Um, people were... And what I think now concluding is what we saw was people getting out of 30-year bonds and buying up bills because they were predicting that the SLR would not get extended. And that is what happened. The SLR comes back. You know, people start, uh, they have to have the amount of assets to match the liabilities they own or, you know, to a certain Whatever the leverage ratio is, I, I don't know off the top of my head right now, but that is why you saw people getting out of the bond, long-term bonds and going into short-term bills. That was what was going on, not growth, uh, not, not all this growth, not all these inflation fears. It was, a, it was a shortage of collateral, okay? And if you go since then, since the SLRs came back, yields have come down. And why is that? And Stephen Van Meter was talking about this in, in March, and he goes, yields are going to start coming back down because the SLR has been reinstated. And he was right. And, 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 uh, and you know, I was saying, you know, yeah, go, lo- go long on bonds. And if you go long on bonds, if the yields go down, your price goes up because bonds and uh, bond prices and yields are inversely correlated. And you've seen, and this is from, I took data from, uh, what was it, Friday? So Friday was uh, the 23rd, the 23rd. The uh, long-term bond was 1.92, and we were at 2.41 at 3.31. So yields have come down 22%, and bills have actually come up. But that's because you know the bill rate is at point went from 0.02 to 0.05. But really, it was actually at zero until the Fed. Uh, do I have the data here? No, I don't. I'll pull it in front of me because I don't have this one written down. Basically, the bill rates. We're actually trading at zero in May, I believe. Let's see. They're at, yeah, zero in May, zero at the beginning of June. The Fed hikes to 0.05, and then bill rates go to 0.05. But 
yield still came down quite a bit. And my whole hunch is what it is, what it really was, was just this massive uh, inflow to collateral into bills because people were really dumping the long terms as in 30-year bonds and going into short term. That's why we saw this massive decline. And, you know, rates were going to go negative. And if rates go negative, the whole financial system is at risk. So this whole issue we've seen here in 2020 in the bond market is not about inflation. It's not about growth. It's about collateral scarcity. And that's what Jeff Snyder really, really talks about in his podcast. And collateral scarcity is a Lehman-type issue, a, a, a GFC-type issue. Um, and I'm going to get into you know what happened in 20, 2009 um, and what happened in 2013. It, it, as uh, Jeff says, you know, collateral problems. Um and why I see right now we have a major collateral problem, and that's why bond yields are not responding to inflation as they normally should be. But right now they're saying, screw the inflation. We need, we need uh, safe assets. And the safest asset is not a 30-year, 30, 20-year, 30 10-year. It's a one-month bill, eight-week bill, 26-week bill, 52-week bill, okay? So that is really what I've, you know, concluded with, with this. And that, that's why bonds aren't responding uh, properly. So right now, on top of that, we have this whole debt ceiling issue, which I talked about the other day. And so if the debt ceiling doesn't get passed, meaning we can start borrowing more money, because if we, you know, if the, we can raise the debt ceiling, then we can issue debt and, you know, we can bring back up the TGA. But, you know, right now, I mean, I'm not for increasing the debt ceiling, obviously, because, you know, I, I'm, I, the U.S. can't borrow any more money. Uh, we shouldn't because how we, we can't pay it back. We can't pay back this money, okay? Uh, you know, it goes back to Triffin's paradox. If you're the world reserve currency, you know, you're eventually going <laughs> to you're gonna have to run crazy deficits. Look at the U.S. That's what's happening. Um, so, basically, we can use emergency funding and draw the te- Treasury General down to zero. Um, and, you know, that can work for only so long. But the CBO, as I talked about in a previous podcast, uh, Congressional Budget Office, per- per- like, predicts that we're going to go, uh, we're not going to be able to pay back our debt obligations um, by October, November, if nothing gets passed. So this is a huge, huge, huge headwind for the market. Is what I'm trying to get at, all right? And <laughs> yields will probably move much lower during this time. But they can only go so low before they explode up. Because you have to think, if, if there's so, all this demand for, for all these one-month bills, and they're trading below the reverse repo uh, interest that you're getting paid... That that's showing you that that screw, screw the reverse repo rate. Like we, everyone still wants to own bills, and this is why on Monday I think we saw a massive drop in uh, futures before the open. I mean, I told you I woke up at six, and futures were down, you know, five hundred points. And when that happened, rates went from five bips, one month rates, one month bills. Sorry, went from five basis points to almost zero. Okay. And so there's a file, fire sale, as, as Jeff likes to say, in stocks 
to go buy the collateral. And right now, we're, you know, zero, what they could have gone negative. And if rates go negative, then I'm penalized for having my money in a bank. So if I'm penalized for having my money in a bank, I'm going to go withdraw it. Runs on the bank. That's a major, major financial issue. Okay. So one, one stat from uh, a newsletter I read, and this actually makes a lot of sense to me. When you see net selling of U.S. treasuries, that meaning you're selling treasury bonds for cash. In March of 20, May of 2021, we saw net selling of treasury bonds. And what happened from by, by, you know, by other countries and such. And what did we see the dollar index do? Well, I'll tell you real quick. Dollar index bottoms in May at 89.75, and now we're at 92.91. Okay, now that's about a two percent increase. About so that shows you there's a massive, massive issue here. And we're gonna look at the dollar index during a time I talked about from uh, March of 2020, how everyone is selling long term treasuries for short-term bills. What did the dollar index do? It went from 97 to 102, a 5% increase. Selling, net selling of treasury bonds for cash, meaning the Dixie goes up. And so let's go back to you know 2009, okay? There was a 96% drawdown in T-bill T rates. So T-bills went from, um, uh, this is February 3rd of 2009, 28 basis points to 0.01. What did long-term bonds do? They went up 26% from 3.64 to 4.61. A collateral problem. You do, you're going to sell your net, you're going to sell your treasuries because you want to own the pristine collateral to back up all your assets. You know this is a sickness we've had going from 2009. Okay, everyone talks about 2013 taper tantrum. Well, what happened? What happened during this time? Bills went from 0.11 to flat. Nothing. 0.00, 100% decrease. What happened to bonds, you ask? Well, guess. 30-year went from on 226, February 26, 2013, 3.08 rat. Then we go to 3.85. And yeah, we go higher in certain senses and certain points, but I picked the lowest date we had on a bill. 25% increase, 3.08 to 3.05, 3.85. Bills went from 0.11 to 0.00, showing you there's not enough cash not enough bills in the system and this is why you know the the we don't want, everyone's like okay we have to keep issuing cash uh that's why I, I i don't see the fed being able to stop qe we have to keep printing to put money in the banking system but at the same time it's just going to create a massive consumer price inflation and that's where i differ from jeff and steven uh van meter where they say that's a train if you can hear it i'm sorry um, you know, they see, they see a massive deflationary event. And I, and, and I go, well, is that going to be an asset or consumer price inflation? You know, I think eventually, if, you know, we do increase the debt ceiling, which will happen, and if we do issue more debt, bond yields work will explode upwards. And, you know, T-bills will settle, and they won't be near zero, but we'll just be in the, another paradox, another, this, the same issue will keep occurring. So how long can it last? How long can this U.S. Ponzi go on? And, you know, in 20, 2009, 2013, what happens? The TGA gets drawn down. In, you know, March of 2020, the TGA was getting drawn down until Mnuchin, you know, popped us up with uh, issuing a bunch more debt. 
And so, this is why I am so bearish and I see so many... I'm just going to Amazon Prime truck running along. But this is why I'm so bearish and I don't see any reason why... Dude, this guy's ruining my podcast. Why I see no reason why anyone's a buyer of stocks. And you go... And people wonder why stock prices have gone up so much. Well, dude, I checked my bank account this morning. And Chase literally tells me there's a 0% interest rate on my cash in the bank. So why would I even save? Why would I keep my money there if there's... There, I'm not going to have any return. I'm going to go put it in some kind of risk asset. And that's why stocks have been skyrocketing. And, you know, that's why you saw this massive rise in stock prices from 08 to 2016. And 2016 on, stocks got attractive because instead of, you know, we did QT, but Trump also lowered the corporate tax rate. So it's going to make companies' balance sheets look better. And so the whole point is... You know, if asset prices, you know, really collapse in 08, which they should, like, you know, I mean, gone a lot lower, to prevent that from happening, we did QE, kept the interest rates at zero. Because if those fell, then, you know, this whole wealth effect that Greenspan talks about, Bernanke talks about, is blown out of proportion. It doesn't work. Because the wealth effect, the way the wealth effect works is basically as asset prices go up, everyone makes money. If you own stocks... And that's why you've seen since 2018, I mean, 2008, that the rich have gotten richer and the poor have gotten poorer. And, you know, and people blame, go, oh, we'll just print more money. Well, that doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't solve the freaking problem. And so once these, you know, they're manipulating interest rates in order to be able to service debt payments. But when the debt gets too high, we're not going to be able to pay them back. And interest rates are going to skyrocket. And that is why... You know, short term, yeah, yeah, treasuries can go lower. The yields on them can go lower. They can only go lower until they can't. They can only go lower until they can't. And once a bill, once a, like the money markets, the bills go negative, then the whole financial system is at risk. And that is this black, black swan event that I'm warning about that, you know, some people are, some people aren't. But that's the risk I see. And, you know, in order, you know, when we see this issue arise in 2020, we lock everything down and that's our excuse to print all this money. And excuse me. And on Monday, all the headlines on the news were stocks fall because of Delta, Delta variant scares. No, they fell because of collateral issue scares, my friends. And, you know, in order to fix this, we'll just, well, we'll, we'll just issue a bunch of money. We'll extend the debt ceiling right now. And we'll issue all this money. We'll uh, do the Biden infrastructure bill, give more spending to people. And, you know, that's going to be the whole solution. But you're going to have to have an excuse for that. So that's why I personally think we'll see lockdowns over the next couple months. Possibly in some areas. You know, that, that's a stretch, but it could possibly happen. Okay. But what I'm really wor- warning about is right now you're gonna, you could see a you know, 15 to 20% drawdown in equities, short and fast. And you're... You'll get some crazy Fed action. And you go, okay, Max, well, what does this mean for gold? What does this mean for oil? Well, the lower rate oil uh, yields go, the worse it is for oil. You know, slow on demand, worse it is for oil. Okay? So that's not going to turn out too well. And here's another thing I've been noticing, okay? I reference I'm going out to California next week, right? So I've been checking. My dad works for United, as you guys probably know. 
And so I pass ride. So meaning I, if there's empty seats in the plane, I get to go and you know use empty seats using standby buddy passes. It's just a perk of working in an airline. Can't wait till I have a job there. My kids are going to be utilizing those as they grow older. But pretty much what I'm trying to get at is I've been checking the seats, and there's empty seats in all these United flights to L.A., San Francisco, Denver. You know, it's not hard to pass ride. So there's, you know, empty seats in the plane. And if you're charging all this money and the seats aren't getting filled, what are airlines naturally going to do? Lower their prices. And, you know, you've seen the airplanes take a massive hit. You've seen the Russell 2K, you know, start to lag quite a bit. And what's another thing we saw on Friday that I want to talk about? We saw emerging markets, you know, equities were all up. S&P up 1%, Dow up 68 pips, NASDAQ was up more. Well, emerging markets were down 1.5%. And what that shows me is emerging markets usually go down when people believe the dollar is going to get stronger. Because all these emerging markets have their, you know, money all these emerging markets function off of the dollar. The strong dollar is not good for emerging markets. You want a weak dollar. And so that is why I see the strong, smart people trading emerging markets know it's about to happen. And the dollar will get stronger. And it only can get so strong until people realize this thing is, is not worth it. It's not worth it. The, the whole euro dollar system, the whole United States world reserve currency of the world, we just run fat deficits. It actually does not work for everyone in the world and, and it's a big problem and other countries are going to be fed up with it those are the problems that I see on the, uh, on, on the horizons for the economy and so rates can go lower but they can only go so low until you know and I'm talking long term rates here long term bonds until yields skyrocket okay and that's why Dr. Birdie I believe is short uh, long term bonds that's why I'm short long term bonds that's why I'm short equities and uh, you know, if you see equity markets, as Manorino likes to talk about, and as I talk about, I talk about this a lot when you know there'd be no movement in the yield curve and the market would go up. Well, if there's a huge rise in rates, the markets hate that. If there's a huge fall in rates, the markets hate that. You know, we saw an eight sigma move in oil last Monday, it fell freaking eight percent in one day, and that was when we saw this scramble for collateral. And that's why I don't want to be a buyer of oil right now, especially if the dollar is getting stronger. Strong dollar is terrible for oil because what's oil denominated in? The price of dollars. So the dollar goes up, oil goes down. As simple as that. Yeah, I'm going to go buy back into oil 100% because we have massive supply issues. But for the time being, you can't be long oil. For the time being, gold will probably take a hit. But only take a hit so far because gold is the ultimate safe asset in my eyes. Bitcoin, ultimate safe asset in my eyes. But it will take a hit because in order to get this collateral, people are going to and, and, and have their money in cash because cash is king. People will liquidate their Bitcoin. They'll liquidate everything to have cash. So short term, yeah, you could see a drawdown of gold, Bitcoin, silver, safe things, except bonds. But then it reverses. So the whole point of this is this podcast is it's a collateral shortage it's a banking problem it's a financial system issue it's it's not a delta variant issue it's not it's not a uh, companies companies aren't making money it's the system is at risk and that is what i'm here to warn you about and that is why i'm short everything and that's what i want to bring attention to everyone because you know mainstream financial news is not talking about this i hope i made sense i probably didn't but I did in my own head. 
you can look up the data and numbers yourself. You can educate yourself with other podcasts that you know show visuals, uh, YouTube videos. Gammon's great. Snyder's great. Van Meter's great. Peter Schiff is great because Peter Schiff and I have the same long-term end games. Gammon has the same long-term end game as Schiff. That's really what's going to happen here, guys. Get ready for it. And when I talk about deflation things, we got food shortages out there. We got you know droughts here. Food prices will never go down because if everyone needs food, everyone's always going to need food, no matter if it's denominated in dollars or what. So get ready. Things are going to get ugly. They may not happen tomorrow, next week, next month, for the next couple of years. Woo-wee! Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll be watching the markets in the morning. Got my check ride, so I'm probably not going to be too fixated on the markets but you know I, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be watching the uh, treasury markets in the morning let's see if there's a scramble for collateral i'll check futures right now because they just opened it's 522 now futures are down two basis points oil is up 31 basis points bonds are flat gold's up one basis point and crypto we got bitcoin at 34k gained 5,000 since my last podcast that's cool that's great but uh 25k for bitcoin probably we go there or we go lower but uh watch out watch out my friends thanks for listening